Hello and welcome to the Power Switch, gaming's call-in talk radio show. My name is Peter Spasia, and today is January 27th, 2017. This is the seventh episode of the podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We use Discord as a means to add and drop callers to talk about video games and switch the power that is found in a typical gaming podcast. You can join our server to participate during recordings at rhymeswithasia.com call. You can subscribe to The Power Switch on podcast services such as iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And if you'd be so kind as to leave a review, that would really help as well. Now, if you're new to the show, we're hoping to have these podcasts happen at least every weekend, but also during certain weekdays, generally lining up with the evenings of when big game news breaks. First, we'll open the show for about 10 minutes to reflect on the show's main topic. And then after a small commercial break, we'll set up callers to join the show to either discuss the show's main topic or bring up any gaming question of their own choosing. Once that's run its course, I'll end the show with a fun segment. We'll call it a day, hopefully in about an hour's time. And if that sounds like your kind of podcast, let's get right into it. So there we have it. Evo 2017 has confirmed the list of games that will be playable and broadcasted during its big fighting game tournament and expo, really. It's it's a big event that happens every year, the biggest fighting game tournament in the world, Evolution. And we know the games for Evo 2017. It's going to happen July 14th through 16th at Mandalay Bay in Las Vegas, which I'll actually be going to in a couple days. That's kind of weird to think that you know I'm only what, half a year removed from Evo. But anyway, the games that were announced, let's, let's get into it. First, Street Fighter V. That's really no surprise. Tekken 7. Guilty Gear Xard Rev 2. Injustice 2. Super Smash Bros. Melee. Super Smash Bros. for Wii U. Blaze Blue Central Fiction, and The King of Fighters 14. First, I have to think that it's rather interesting that half of these games are new. They're new to Evo. You have Tekken 7, Guilty Gear X Hard Rev 2, Injustice 2, Blaze Blue Central Fiction. Those were subbed in replacement for Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom 3, Pokémon Tournament, Mortal Kombat XL, and Killer Instinct. Uh, and it's interesting to note that they're so new that the games, some of them aren't even out in the United States yet. I mean, Tekken comes out here on June 2nd. It's March 18th for the Japanese arcades. Uh, and same thing with Guilty Gear XR Rev 2. I mean, they just say, oh, it's going to come out in 2017 uh, on consoles around the world. But it's spring in Japanese arcades. Uh, Injustice 2, May 16th in the United States. So you only get a couple months to develop the metagame before you throw it at the biggest fighting game tournament. And I know that you want the big stage and all that attention, but is it really giving it enough time or is it just a almost like a one-off before maybe the scene doesn't grow enough and maybe it doesn't get kind of mainlined as a stage? It's, it's kind of strange when it's pushing out some long-term staples. I know Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom 3, it's it's been there a long time. It may have run its course, but it maybe corporate money is getting involved a little bit too much. And that's also another big thing. I mean, the concept of money hatting where, you know, Warner Brothers threw money at Evo last year to bring Mortal Kombat into the main lineup of games. Nintendo absolutely did the same thing. Pokémon Tournament making Evo last year. That was surprising, to be honest. And, you know, Warner Brothers is doing again with Injustice 2, I would say. Maybe that doesn't necessarily deserve a spot, one could argue. But, you know, Injustice was there uh, in Evo's past, but 
again, that could be for the same reason. If companies, though, are bringing money into Evo to help sponsor it, to help bring it to a wider audience, to maybe even bring it to a big television audience, then, you know, maybe it does deserve a spot. But it does leave certain fan bases very bitter. And let's talk about those Sunday games. You know, Street Fighter V would almost certainly be a shoo-in to be on television once again as it did last year on ESPN2. And boy, it'll be interesting to have all the reaction there on Twitter and on search just like last year. But maybe there's an outside chance for the possibility of more games being included. I mean, would Smash Brothers be you know fitting the bill like that as well? Because it's interesting with Smash Brothers that the Wii U version is on Sunday this year. Melee? a big staple of, you know, Sunday on Evo in years past, move to Saturday. I think some some Melee diehards could see that as a spite to their game, but there could actually be some logic to it. The others for Sunday, for what it's worth, Blaze Blue is going to be on Sunday. Tekken will be on Sunday. And also the fan vote game, but we'll we'll get to that soon. Back to TV coverage, I think the move in a way makes sense if Nintendo is going to be contributing money to help sponsor Evo, again, getting corporations involved. They'll want to push the newer game and have that be a big audience. You know, give that game its time in the spotlight. But also, think of it this way. Think of how many people tune into that Sunday night of Evo. Like, you get record numbers, just huge, huge audience. If you want the numbers kind of spread out throughout the course of the weekend... If you want those big numbers on Saturday, you're going to put a game that a lot of people will want to watch, and that would be Super Smash Bros. Melee. Now, some could argue that, you know, its spot in front of Street Fighter V has really helped its numbers in the past, but I don't know. I think that'll be a big test to see how well the Melee audience numbers do in that Saturday slot. If that gets really strong numbers, not only does that prove the strength of the Melee community even more than it already has been proven, but it also helps Evo to show that, you know, they are getting good numbers for Saturday as well because, you know, the numbers have just not even compared in years past. Anyway, as far as that vote for the final game, because Evo generally has nine games, I believe, and, you know, we've read off eight, Well, they have another slew of games, another nine games, in fact, for that ninth final game, giving it up to fan votes. And and this is where a lot of those games that have been replaced have moved to this category to give it that chance for new life in the Evo space. And I think to put it on Sunday really helps because you could get some interesting circumstances. Let's, Let's put it that way. So the final games that can be voted for, you have ARMS for Nintendo Switch. Killer Instinct on Xbox One, Mortal Kombat XL, Nidhogg, Pokémon Tournament on Wii U, Skullgirls, Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo, a little bit of retro there, Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom 3, and Windjammers. I don't know if it's the, the PS4 version, but definitely the Neo Geo game that is taken off in certain circles of the gaming internet. So definitely some interesting options there. Uh, if I had to pick one that I would like to see, uh, you know, given given its shine, I think it'd be interesting to see certain games like Nidhogg and Windjammers. Uh, to, to see that on the big stage on Sunday could create some interesting possibilities for sure. But I think uh, Skullgirls would be a good choice. And there's the whole idea of when fans got involved with, you know, raising money for Evo. Uh, you know, that was really 
Melee's big bolster into the Evo scene because they raised so much money. And the big competition that year was Skullgirls. I wouldn't, wouldn't I say it's a bitter competition to raise money for charity, but it was a lot of back and forth and really big competition there. But it would almost make sense if the Melee community helped Skullgirls along in a way of thanks, I would say. Uh, and, you know, it, it was an indie effort to make that game happen and... I think it would be really neat and a good homage in a way to kind of give Skullgirls the credit to help push it over the top and give it the exposure that it deserves. So certainly lots to talk about with Evo there, but the biggest news of the week, I would say, is the announcement that Square Enix and Marvel are partnering for a multi-game video game series, starting with what's called The Avengers Project. It's an interesting trailer, a little teaser trailer that went out uh, with the voiceover saying, they say the time of heroes is over, that if you're different, You're dangerous, but I know the truth. The world will always need heroes. We just need to reassemble. You know, different visuals like broken glasses, Thor's hammer of Mjolnir, an Iron Man gauntlet, Captain America's shield. What's interesting is the teams that are on this project. You have Crystal Dynamics and Eidos Montreal. And these are studios that have been known for the recent Tomb Raider games and Deus Ex. And, you know, this is a good opportunity for Square Enix's Western publishers, for sure. Uh, You also have Shadow of the Tomb Raider coming from, I believe it's Eidos Montreal, even though Crystal Dynamics is known for Rise of the Tomb Raider. So, I, you know, these studios are basically, you know, very busy between some of those other current game projects and then this huge project. And you may wonder, how has there never been an Avengers game done before? Like, it'd almost be a shoe-in, just an easy property. Well, there was an Avengers game that was canceled in around 2012 due to THQ's financial struggles at the time. It was a first-person action game. It was based on the Secret Invasion storyline with the Skrulls. If you want to know more about that, you should definitely see Liam Robertson's deep dive on Unseen 64, which is currently hosted on Did You Know Gaming's YouTube channel. It's really, really fascinating. But... You know, Marvel has certainly been hesitant with movie tie-in games after poor titles like the Iron Man games. I mean, did you see some of those on Wii? It's not too good. And I think it was Batman, the Arkham games on the DC side of things that really got things rolling to show that it's best to create standalone games and not necessarily a specific tie-in game for a movie. So if you've noticed lately, Marvel is really stepping up their video game universe. I mean, you have this project, you have the Telltale Guardians of the Galaxy game that'll be coming out later this year, and Insomniac Spider-Man game, the exclusive for PS4. And it's almost like, yeah, Marvel, in addition to building up their cinematic universe, is almost creating a video game universe. And that'll be interesting to see grow, because it seems like they're really focusing on that. And I think that's, that's a good thing. What'll be more interesting to see, though, I think, is seeing DC follow up after the Arkham games. Now that they showed what superhero video games can really be like with the Arkham games. Uh, now they're kind of in this this lull a little bit here. And now Marvel's trying to you know take back the video game gauntlet, as it were. And we're going to have to see how DC responds because you know they're not really doing a Suicide Squad project. I, I doubt a Justice League game is in development unless that's what Rocksteady's working on. That's the big thing is what's Rocksteady working on? You know, WB Montreal is supposed to be working on this rumored Damian Wayne game. Hopefully we see that at E3. Uh, you know, you don't want to necessarily have DC be too quiet especially with all of these this Marvel news that's going on. And if they want that competition going, like you know, DC has to step it up a little bit. So I know it's unusual in the early times of the show here to have a couple main topics, but it's been a little while since our last episode. I mean, we recorded last Sunday and today is Friday. So news has happened 
haven't been able to record as much. So wanted to mention a couple things, get some ideas possibly flowing for our callers here. And yeah, when we come back, we'll get to those callers. So what do you think about what I have to say? I'd love to hear your thoughts. You can also bring up whatever gaming topic that you'd like to discuss. But don't forget, you can also reply to what another caller had to say as well. That's all when we come back here on The Power Switch. Welcome back to The Power Switch. Now, it's still in the very early you know, episodes for, for this show, and... You know, I haven't had enough feedback yet to have people complain and say, oh, you have the same sort of guests on all the time. And well, you know, that's that's part of it. When you have a smaller audience and you have those that are devoted enough to call in, I mean, you're going to get, you know, some of the same people. That's I think that's part of the the growing pains, as it were. But, you know, if you have an issue with that, call in and contribute and get your voice heard, because the early times of the show, like that's that's where you'll have the best chance to have your voice heard. And that's that's all part of the the call in format. So. You know, we're still growing. We're still, you know, getting used to doing this format. But if you don't want to keep hearing the same voices over and over, I mean, they're they're going to call in. You might as well chime in as well. That being said, from Illinois, we have Yvonne. Welcome back to the Power Switch. How you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you. Good, good. What's on your mind? What do you want to talk about? So there are two things in my mind. Okay. And I want to start off with a little bit of a crazy topic. Um, so I don't want to get into the politics of it, but it does involve gaming, possibly. And that is Trump backing out from the TPP, I believe it's called, mm-hmm. and how it might affect video games prices and that the video game prices may go up. And I'm not too informed on it, but I wanted to talk about it. Maybe you know more about it and just want to have a discussion about it because it's definitely something concerning a little bit. Um, I more worry about how it can affect the developers um, and the people who make the games and stuff more than, you know, the prices themselves. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Um, I wish I were more familiar with the TPP, to be honest. I think the overwhelming majority, at least in my circle of friends that I saw, at least when it was being discussed, didn't seem to want it to be signed. So I, I do not know enough about it to actually make a decision. I'll, I'll put it out right there. Um, yeah. But there are certain elements that go along with that. Uh, when you talk about, first of all, the retail cost of games, uh, it's I think it's important to consider that games are cheaper now than they ever have been before. But it also goes in line with the fact that, you know, gaming has developed. Back when it was very expensive, it was still a very new industry. And I think, you know, companies were able to get away with more, uh, to be honest, because there hadn't been really a precedent established. And now that gaming has grown in size, the market competition has flourished, really. And, you know, different companies have tried to set prices. So I think that is probably part of a reason why game prices have diminished over time is just because there's greater competition in a larger industry. Certainly, inflation does also affect when you look back uh, retroactively at those kind of prices. So I think that's that's one part of it. Uh, I think the second aspect, when you're concerned about game developers and the rising costs of games, I think that's that's on you know certain developers. Uh, when it comes to like the big publishers, if they're worried about you know spending millions and millions of dollars to chase the highest possible graphics, well. 
yeah, games are going to get very expensive very quickly. And in certain rare cases like Grand Theft Auto V, when they just make their, you know, production and marketing budget back in the span of a day or two because of how well that game sells and has continued to sell, the top AAA studios may not be able to survive with uh, the rising costs of games. And that's where a lot of people worry about a growing market bubble with things like that. That's why they try to keep pushing microtransactions because they want to try to make up those costs. I think that isn't as much of a concern because most game studios, I would imagine, operate within their budgets. And sure, they like to try to make more money just to uh, increase their profits, to you know start new projects, to become bigger. Uh, that's just you know capitalism in general. But I think the top publishers that are trying to chase that highest point uh, there may be a breaking point there and i don't necessarily think that the tpp would have much to do with it uh of course yeah now we are in trump's america i mean it was the second episode we're recording <laughs> in that there's also talk of if there's the mexico 20 percent tariff i mean it's it's hard to say if they're going back and forth between well it was just floating out there or no is taken seriously and uh, that's how they're gonna pay for the wall or whatever. Uh, I think that's something that could possibly, you know, hit gamers most. I was reading some tweets about how Nintendo of America likes to do a lot of uh, sort of the cartridge publishing in a way in Mexico. And so if you bring those in the U.S., maybe those get a hit on there. You'd like to think that if there is any argument for supporting Trump, it would be that, you know, he has a mind of, you know, business and to try to help the economy. Now, granted, all of the negatives, it's it's absurd. I I was traveling for work and I was walking through the airport and I look up and I see the inauguration. It, it makes me sick. And for every day to have it be just something absurd, like it, it frustrates the hell out of me personally. So like that's where I stand on the whole Trump thing. But if you are a supporter of his, like you could argue that, you know, he could be better for the economy. I mean, there's the whole argument of, you know, the Dow Jones has never been higher because of that. Like I said, I don't want to get political, but I, that's he's a businessman. He's got a business mind. Right now, a big problem of ours is economy and stuff. But still, I do worry, you know, um, about, like I said, the games industry and stuff, too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it is something where it's obviously you know, a big hobby of all of ours. And yeah, you, you have to think that it would probably go hand in hand. I mean, not just games, but, you know, electronics overall yeah. and you know, other goods. I, you know, when when certain prices, if they skyrocket, like it, it won't be just games. Let's put it that way. So it'll be other things that, you know, people care about and like people take notice. And if he wants his presidency to do well, he probably shouldn't frustrate the majority of Americans. Let's let's put it that way. Well, that's the thing, too, because like I said, even though I'm nervous, if, you know, he, like I said, he's got this business-like thing of looking at things, so he could think of some kind of compromise. We'll, we'll see. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I, I think it's a fair concern to bring up, uh, but, you know, it's, it's still in the early days of the economic impact. So I, I know I'm not saying to the whole, like, oh, give him a chance because I'm, I'm so over that, but... I, I think it's still too early to tell as far as economic impacts and if it's going to impact our hobby. But it's it's certainly something to keep an eye on, and I'll, I'll give you that. Yeah, because I'm someone in the camp of, oh, give him a chance. But definitely, you know, I don't know, because I don't think personally between you and me that he cares much about video games. No, and then you can make the argument that he's made the whole comments on net neutrality and how he does not understand what net neutrality is. And he thinks of it... 
as a businessman. And of course, the big businesses with the internet service providers do not want net neutrality. The comments he's made, again, like don't want to get too much into it, but that's probably the biggest concern that we would have that's pressing with our industry is the whole net neutrality thing. And if you think of how the internet banded together to bring the attention of you know, the issue of how important net neutrality is, I mean, I think you know everyone was banding together regardless of political affiliation. So we, we would hope that maybe that effort is coming again soon. But I think that's the more yep. pressing issue as opposed to uh, you know seeing if the TPP will raise prices. Because again, you know, gaming's cheaper than ever. But also with the cost of making games, I think that's really more pressing on the highest end of gaming yeah. development. For those that are keeping to try to press you know, the, the latest graphics and all this and spending millions and millions of dollars, like there has to be a limit. Like, you have to realize you know, what you're able to make back and there, it's all a balance there. Like you said, some of them might know that better. You definitely have to worry about Nintendo, I think, though, because if this does get passed... And this console is just coming out and it's going to be more expensive, you know, hypothetically, if it does happen, then yeah, that could be, you know, a big problem. Is there, how much are they expecting to get made in by, I don't know what by month, but it's something like 25 million or Oh gosh! I don't remember no, that, that's way too big. I think you know, in the initial shipment, I think they're thinking worldwide is 2.5 million for the launch. I think okay. that's I think that's the figure that's being thrown about, uh, but but really right. I think these issues uh, they affect more than just games. Uh, I think that's that's something oh, important to consider. Yeah. I mean I work in the automotive industry and like that's a huge discussion going on right now. And so it's I know it's not necessarily you know TPP, but if you know trade regulations and taxes and things like that are, are going to be discussed, like. It won't be just games, but I, I understand why that's the most pressing concern. Yeah. The other thing I want to talk about is the Marvel stuff, because I am very, very excited about that. Yeah, you've you've mentioned the Arkham games uh, and on episodes past, so I, I was particularly interested to hear what you had to say. I mean, coming yeah. from someone who loves those games, do you think a, a similar sort of kind of gameplay style could be developed? Or you know, what would you like to see from a Marvel game? Without a doubt, because here's the thing, um, and this worries me too, and I'll get into that. Just like DC did good for the movie industry with 1989 with Batman, and that was a really good movie, you know, and it was successful. And then the Marvel movies weren't as successful back then. But then you skip forward to, I think it was Iron Man or Hulk was their first movie. Yeah, Hulk and was the first one in the that's cinematic when they universe. That's took over with yeah. the movies. Yes, yeah. and that's when they took... And I'm worried now that Arkham Asylum was like Batman 1989. Mm, and they, mm. you know, they, they let those, you know, they proved, hey, there's these DC games and, and comic book themed games and there's a demand for them and people will freaking play them. And then Activision tried to copy that with Shattered Dimensions with the Spider-Man mm, right, lore right, world yeah. and stuff. And, and I'm worried now because Marvel's I think Marvel's got it now, just like they have it with the movies. Now they're like, oh, well, we give these properties to certain directors. Hell, let's give it to certain publishers and developers. And that's really exciting because imagine what they can do, you know, like Spider-Man from Insomniac. It's going to be exciting because it's a studio that focuses a lot on gameplay. And they also um, did Sunset Overdrive, which had a, an amazing engine when it came to all the fun stuff you could do. It's going to be on the same engine. So you can pretty much do all the parkour stuff and all of that. And it looks like it's going to be insane since, you know, I played Sunset Overdrive. And like I said, it's going to be on the same engine from what I hear. 
I think it's a really good comparison to make with uh, DC starting the mole to compare yeah. that to the, the movies. That's really interesting. I agree yeah. that, you know, Marvel's really picking their battles wisely here. Uh, yeah. I, I think they were and, really gun shy to, you know, go to start early and still go with the tie in games. And that it was still really untested waters. You know, yeah, Hulk it started kind of the cinematic universe with the Incredible Hulk. I mean, Edward Norton, Hulk, and all that. But yeah, yeah. Iron Man is totally when it took off. And to, yeah, yeah. you're right. Spider Man, Insomniac, it's a perfect pairing. I think to kind of yeah. delve into the Guardians of the Galaxy, to delve in those characters more, Telltale is the perfect avenue for that. Yes. Like, it's it's so smart. Don't forget Marvel versus Capcom Infinite. Also. Oh, gosh, yeah. How can I forget? That, that's really covering their bases very well. Because, yeah, Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite, I'm really pumped for. And that, they're going for a more cinematic approach in the story, like Mortal Kombat does. Yeah, they'll definitely use it to uh, to push their their cinematic universe characters more. That's for sure. And like, I think they were trying to do that with Marvel versus Capcom three. Like they were starting to do that. I mean, to bring Deadpool back and really get him in the game. And then, you know, the Deadpool movie would come later. I mean, the choice to bring rocket raccoon and Dr. Strange and yep. They would later be movies down the line. I think there was, you know, some, some thoughtful planning ahead of time there, but you know, this is really going to be the test for, for Marvel versus Capcom infinite to really, bring in their cinematic universe yeah. characters like that's that's yeah, and really I, do, be telling. I know a couple of this is ago that there's a discussion if it's going to be more accessible and i say yes they mm -hmm. have to because they want to reel in all these people yeah and, oh for yeah. sure and then like yeah and then like i said with square enix from crystal dynamics who did some action games i'm sure they're going to do that well i think it's going to be like not at first i was thinking maybe it'd be an rpg but no it's probably going to be like tomb raider like an action game maybe mm -hmm. we can play as uh miss marvel well, maybe, maybe that'd be interesting. Yeah, for for future games, because yeah, they're starting with the Avengers project, so I'm sure they'll will want to involve the Avengers characters. But yeah, with the different engines of both Tomb Raider and Deus Ex, you're you're thinking third person action, like it's it's got to be something like that. Uh, and both you know studios have a really good pedigree for games like that, so I think it's it's a good choice. It's it's interesting that they would pick Square Enix, but you know when you do have two successful properties like that and you know two strong studios to go alongside that i mean at least you're not giving it to the japanese square enix studios where you don't know when those games would come out we're looking at you kingdom hearts 3 uh but yeah. you know the western studios i think have it really really well together and like it was surprising to see how that news spread and where it spread too i mean you're seeing it in like the la times i, I found a a copy of the article and yeah, that just shows like the power of Marvel, but also the Avengers brand and bring it to games. I think that's really exciting, though. You know, waiting for 2018, yeah, that'll that'll be tough. That'll be a long wait. They announced that 2018 is the next year or the next time that they'll give more information on the Avengers project, but also more games. So I, I think this was just saying like, yep, we've made this deal. We've, we've got something there, but it's now, going to be quite a while before we actually hear yeah, more details. I have a question. Um, when do you think Spider-Man will come out? The Insomniac Spider-Man. I don't think this year. Um, as as nice as it would be to have something at yeah. least along the same lines of Homecoming, but yeah, it's not going to be the Homecoming Spider-Man. I, I wouldn't think. My best guess would be maybe summer 2018. I think that too. I wish it would come this year. I don't think it will. Um, when do you think we'll get more footage of it, though? I know Insomniac mm -hmm. said we will get more footage, but do you think it won't be until E3, or do you think maybe we'll have it before E3? Maybe PSX. Uh, it's, I mean, for the footage that they showed, like it, I don't know if it was necessarily gameplay. I think it was more like concept, 
just to show. Um, I heard it was in-game engine, so we'll yeah, see. yeah. I I just still think they have a lot of work to do with that, and and Sony will have things to show at E3. Though it, it's it's a toss-up. I mean, you'd think yes, Spider-Man would be a big brand to play if you're thinking that E3 is still a big crowd where you have the different mass media outlets there. It's I I could certainly see it at E3, but. I'll just be a little conservative and say PSX. We'll see it next. Yeah. Well, anyways, I got to go. Um, nice being on the show. Mm-hmm. Thank yeah, you as for always. Yeah, me on thank again. you. Of course. And, um, as you always say, you know, you can find me on Twitter, punkfan97. I'm now starting to make videos good on YouTube. All right. Um, they're like small vlogs, and I, you know, I'm trying to do one every day. It doesn't do as much production value because I want to get more in the habit of consistency first. But, uh, Absolutely, yeah. If you want, you can be on that ride with me, and you know that would really be helpful. You know, I do that stuff for conversation purposes, and yeah, definitely like some support by you know anybody in the chat or even you. Be nice. Definitely, yeah. Definitely follow you know PunkFan97 on Twitter. Uh, You know, it's good to just get the consistency going. Like that's that's really the key when it comes to making media for sure. Quality doesn't matter yet, so. Yeah, you got to. It's all about the habit building and just just doing it. Well, good for you. I'm I'm glad you're getting that started. Thanks, man. All right, you have a good one. Take care. You too. Bye. Over in Kansas, Doba, welcome to the Power Switch. Hey, how are you doing? Good. How are you? I am alive. That's all that matters. What's on your mind? Well, uh, I'm here to talk about uh, a double-sided thing. Both have to do with Marvel, uh, Mm -hmm. again, obviously. Uh, Mainly, the first one is to do with Evo, because the donation thing for deciding the ninth game at Evo this year. And personally, I think Marvel's going to take it. And the reason I think that is because the Marvel community, they might not be the most sizable one, but they're very dedicated and very active, mainly because like they love that game. Because this is an old game. Like Melee is an old game too, and it has a huge following, but they're already in Evo. Mm-hmm. Not to mention Marvel's got a new game coming out this year but not before evo right and i feel like they're gonna want to work for a last hurrah i think that's that's a really smart play i mean i know i'd like to see Skullgirls just for that you know semblance but honestly i was shocked to see ultimate marvel left off the list and i I think that makes the most sense you know because infinite will get in next evo i was like that's that's almost guaranteed with infinite's release i think three is gonna be absent basically from every evo from here on until another marvel game comes out uh, I'm also kind of bummed to see Killer Instinct left off the list, mm-hmm. personally, because I love watching that game. That game is so much fun to watch, and it has my girl Hisako in it, and now <laughs> I won't see any Hisako. I don't think Killer Instinct's going to make it in. Uh, I agree that it would be cool if the Melee community helped Skullgirls along, but I don't honestly think that's going to amount to enough to beat, say, Marvel, because right now I believe Marvel's winning, mm. uh, last I checked. Arms, I don't understand why Arms is on this list. Arms looks awesome. I'm not saying Arms looks bad, but it's a new game on a new system. Yeah, we have no idea how it's going to play, you know, competitively. I mean, we could we could speculate, but there's no real test for it. Like and and I know there's a lot of people saying like, well, I mean, Tekken is going to come out very very shortly before Evo and a couple other games like that too, but Arms is a new IP. We know how Tekken's gonna yeah, play. Yeah, we Tekken's Tekken. gonna play like Tekken. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there are very few people in the world that have played Arms, and most of them work for the Treehouse. So, 
I think it's the same thing with Injustice 2. I mean, yeah, Injustice, like Warner Brothers threw money at that. We know how Injustice 2 is going to play based on Injustice. Uh, it's, yeah, ARMS is an unusual one. I think they just want to have Switch coverage so that people say like, oh, well, you're ignoring Nintendo and Switch and all that. What do you think about uh, Nidhogg, though? Nidhogg, I mean, I'd watch it, I guess. I know a lot of people are really crazy about Nidhogg, and I know it's a very deceptively deep game. Mm-hmm. A lot, a lot of mind games there. Yeah, to a crazy degree, Nidhogg <laughs> is very technical, and people really like watching watching it. So I can that doesn't really surprise me that it's in there. Windjammers, I feel like, is in there because as cool as Windjammers is, I've never played it, but I've seen video of it, and that game looks awesome. It's a meme. Mm-hmm. Windjammers is a meme, so it's a little weird to me that it's on there, but like... I mean, if it wins, it won't win. But if it did, again, I'd watch it. Um, Pokemon, I'm not surprised, yeah. is on this list yeah. because it took so long last year. Mm. Like the Pokemon finals themselves took three hours. Oh my God. They pushed, they pushed a ton of stuff off schedule. Pokemon takes forever because they still do two out of three. <laughs> and that doesn't work for Pokemon. It's like I think Killer Instinct started two hours late last year because of Pokémon. Wow, they didn't think it would take that long. Yeah, it was insane. Yeah, as far as Windjammers goes, Windjammers—they're I think they're trying to go for like the giant bomb crowd. When I say it's a meme, it's a meme because of the giant bomb crowd, Mm -hmm. and there's nothing wrong with that. It's an interesting list, but yeah, I think I think you're right when you say Ultimate Marvel. Like I don't know how every community is feeling based off of this list. I, I can't say I've got. You know, my hands in each, you know, each fan base on the different forums and whatnot. I'm sure some people are very bitter at certain selections. You know, maybe the Melee community is super up in arms about, you know, being pushed to Saturday. But I think there could be certain benefits there. I think you're right that, you know, Marvel always got huge numbers on Sundays as well when it was there. And I think you have a big contingent there that is probably really surprised that it got left off the list. So I think that's going to, you're right, that's going to push them and, uh, help that transition for infinite next year. I think they're a shoe in. I highly expect them to win, but who knows? We could see another bidding war, the likes of Skullgirls versus Melee again. Certainly could. Never know. And uh, the other half of my topic also has to do with Marvel, but on the other big topic of the week, which was the Marvel and Square Enix deal. And it's, what do I think this means for Kingdom Hearts 3? Mm-hmm. Yes, because yeah. when you see Square Enix and Marvel pairing up for a big announcement... Like it was the day before, you could think, well, is is that meaning that Kingdom Hearts three Marvel World is it? Well, really I believe <laughs> I believe my my exact quote before I saw that Marvel had also tweeted the same thing was Square Enix saying, "Hey, look for an announcement tomorrow," and my exact quote was, "If it's not a Kingdom Hearts three release date, I don't care. Hmm. When's it coming out, Square? You've been telling me about this game for four years. <laughs> I've been waiting for it for ten. When's it coming out? (laughs) So long, so long. So, uh, personally, I think the opposite of what you would think this announcement would mean for Kingdom Hearts. Look, I don't know how Square works. I don't know how this kind of deal would work. I don't work in the industry yet. All right? I don't have insider information. But personally, I think the fact that they announced this and didn't take the exact same opportunity which this would have been the perfect opportunity to say, oh, and also Marvel is in Kingdom Hearts 3. I think this is a sign that Marvel is not in Kingdom Hearts 3. Right. 
Yeah, I, I would agree. I think there's still maybe hope for something like Star Wars. Uh, if you're talking about big Disney properties that they're pushing hard, especially in you know years to come. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Like this would have been the perfect, perfect chance to add on to that. And because like that's almost what people were expecting. Now, mm-hmm. granted, when they're saying like they're finishing up worlds and there's so much news here and there about Kingdom Hearts 3 that almost we don't know what's what. Um, but I think you're pretty right on there. Like that, that would have been the time to do so. And talking about a partnership with Square Enix and Marvel, like I mean, it was either going to be that or an Avengers game. Like, and yeah. so leaning one way or the other. Yeah, that's that's pretty telling, I think. And I mean, personally, I've thought that this was going to be the case for a long time, mainly because Big Hero 6. If you're going to put Big Hero 6 in Kingdom Hearts 3, which they are, they've confirmed, it was like the second world we were at that was ever confirmed was going to be in the game. Why would you put another superhero world? As much as I'd love to see the Incredibles in Kingdom Hearts 3, I think that also kind of spelled doom for the Incredibles being in the mm-hmm. game. Isn't Big Hero 6 technically a Marvel property? It is. Yeah, you had the so, Stanley cameo at the end. So, like, yeah, I think it would be overkill to do another one. Yeah, it's pretty so, telling. I, I think that this combined with Big Hero 6 being in the game, I don't think Marvel's going to be in the game, and I'm kind of happy about that. And personally, I'm also on the side that kind of hopes that Star Wars is not in Kingdom Hearts 3, mainly because I played Kingdom Hearts 2, and I saw what happens when they put a live-action movie in <laughs> their game. And it didn't do well. It wasn't great. And I don't want to see that again. Oh, you mean when you get knockoff voice actors, mate? <laughs> <laughs> and this is coming from somebody who kind of hopes Port Royal comes back in Kingdom Hearts 3, but I also kind of hope it doesn't. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know which I want more. So I'm on the side that I don't want to see Star Wars in, in Kingdom Hearts at all. I was about to say, like, it kind of, you know, <laughs> Star Wars being there would kind of take out the fanciful Disney that we've gotten used to. But yeah, when, when we've seen Pirates of the Caribbean, when we've seen Tron, I guess, you know, anything, anything could anything- be possible. <laughs> Anything's possible. If they can turn Tangled into a world that we'll be able to go through, which I don't know what the main conflict's going to be there, but I'm actually looking forward to that world. So That's going to be interesting is when you think, you know, Tangled's already confirmed, but when you think of how big Frozen is in Japan. Oh, if, if Frozen does not show up in this game, I will be amazed. Right. And like, but, but then you think like Tangled and Frozen, like a lot of people compare the two together. If you do have those two in the game, like you got to have them spread out as far as, you know, level placement. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know how many worlds are going to be in this game. Uh, I don't know if it'll be more than one and two or, you know, around the same number, because obviously one and two had that many worlds because it's the PlayStation 2. Right. PS4 can do a lot more. (laughs) A whole lot more. Did you get to play the uh, 2.8 chapter? I did. And it's. Kingdom Hearts 3 is going to play real good. Oh, nice. That, that's good <laughs> to hear. Gonna, oh, it's going to play real, real good. That's if exciting. That demo is, if that demo is any indication. so For sure. I, I haven't picked up 2.8 yet. Like I've already played Dream Drop Distance. Uh, I've heard the movie's bad. I think you told me that the movie is bad. The movie is, is bad and boring and doesn't need to exist. Mm-hmm. As the series has gone on, they keep like, all right, this is going to answer this question. And literally nobody was asking that question. <laughs> I would pay 20 bucks just to stand alone for the uh, the fragmented chapter. but you know. And it's, it's not a long game. It's only about three hours long. Very, very good. Yeah. 
Uh, it's good to see that's kind of the highlight there. All right, well, Doba, thank you for calling in. Where can people find you on the internet? Uh, if they're brave and can handle a ton of tweeting, they can find me at the Dabaga on Twitter, and they can also find my Twitch on Detective Dobaga. We have actually been streaming a Minecraft hardcore for the past couple weeks. Um, I am dead, but it will still be streamed on my <laughs> um, channel. I'll be a spectator and a cameraman and all that stuff. So keep an eye out for that. And I'll also hopefully be starting Nancy Drew streams again soon. And oh, yes. if you haven't watched any of those, they don't sound like they'd be fun. They're a blast. So definitely tune into those if you can. They are definitely fun. I'll, I'll definitely give you that. All right. Well, thank you so much for calling in. Have a good one. You too. And from Illinois, Video Game Guru 64. Welcome back to the Power Switch. Thanks for having me back. Of course. What's on your mind? Well, I am uh, participating in a uh, Pokemon uh, tournament tomorrow. And I don't know if I have a good team or not. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, uh, I can't say I'm too ingrained into the metagame for Gen 7, but out of curiosity, what's your team made up? My team's made up of uh, Neha Lego, Tapu Fini, uh, Mudbray, uh, not Mudbray, the Valform, Mud uh, Mudsdale. Mudsdale, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, oh, what's his name? The Anchor Pokemon. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Delmize is the, the ghost anchor. Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah. And oh, uh, this Vicavolt. Oh yeah, Vicavolt's a good one. I have I have Vicavolt on my my team. Yeah, and I think I have one more, but it's a toss up between uh one that Type Null evolved into. Oh, Silvalli or something like that. Yeah, 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 and I can't find a good memory uh stick to uh use on him. Yeah, to find the the but, typing right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that sounds like a pretty interesting team. Um, yeah. Is that just, you know, I'm, I'm not familiar with, you know, gatherings for tournaments. Is it like, is it part of the Nintendo competition circuit that they have going on? Or is it just like a, a side small thing? It's my local tournament, but I think uh, you get points for uh, competing in it. And uh, if you win, you get probably more points. But then you, probably can go on to the regionals and so on if mm. you get enough points i think that's how it uh goes yeah that that makes sense i mean gosh it's been a long time since i've even done anything like that i was back in the trading card game days i remember going to it's like a barnes and noble and they had a special day you know created for where you could just gather with people and play the pokemon trading card game and it's part of the league where if you won a certain amount, you got like a, an actual badge and then you go around and, you know, different events had different badges, but that was, you know, a, a different sort of thing. Yeah. I, I haven't really, I mean, I delved into uh, kind of like the competitive scene a little bit as far as just learning about EV and IV training and, you know, just all the breeding that goes along with it and, you know, trying to make a good team in general. Uh, like I kind of really delved into that into gen four. So that was a long time ago. And, I was doing Show Me Your News, the podcast in like 2010 when we were talking about like yeah. Pokemon and you know learning that. So like that, that's a long ways and you know far removed I, from that. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, that's that's going way back. So kudos to you. That's that is <laughs> that is a long time ago. Uh, but wow, I mean, with all the you know super training and hyper training and like trying to 
you know, acknowledge EVs and even some IV acknowledgement. Like it's, it's, it's yeah. been a long time. So I mean, kudos to you. Like it's, you know, part of being active in, in those scenes, it's, it's really cool to, to yeah. go out and, and test your team. I wish you good luck. Yeah. And I, uh, gotten back into the card game too. So, oh my God, I can't even imagine like how that's changed since. Yeah. Last it's, it's changed a lot. <laughs> Let's put it this way. The last set I remember coming out and like being interested in was like when the gold and silver, uh, you know, series was starting. <laughs> okay. The, the last set for me was the team rocket. Set. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. That, that was the one right before like, I think. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's, that's been a long time. You got to learn new types and, yeah. Have you seen the stuff where like Charizard is suddenly you know, it's like oh well 120 HP which was super powerful back then like that just yeah. doesn't cut it anymore so what do they bump them yeah. up to like 190 200 something like that that's, that's and crazy that, that, then the EX cards oh, God, and then yeah. the not now they have the GX cards <sighs> which you have to evolve uh, from a basic uh, Pokemon to the, the GX or you could just have a GX all on its own because I I was at a pre-release on Wednesday and I got a GX Lapras okay. that's really good huh. and uh, draw three cards for nothing and that's under the Lapras. Wow! So and that says is Pokemon Power? No, you ha- don't have to use any energy to uh, use uh, just uh, draw three cards. Wow, that's really good. I mean, it warms my heart to see the Pokemon trading card game still active and still coming out with new expansions. It only stands to reason as you keep making new generations and the TV show and all that. And uh, it, it makes me happy to see it still going on. But I am so far removed from all of that. Like, yeah, that's, that's wild. I, I just got into the Pokemon TCG game uh, last December. So that's that's good. I'm I'm glad you're back into it, but. Yeah, can you post on? Uh, let us know on how you do. Uh, you know, listeners out there, I'm sure would be interested to hear how like what going to a Pokemon tournament is like and building a team like that. Yeah, and then uh, the other thing I wanted to bring up is arms at Evo. <laughs> Crazy, right? Possible, possible. Yeah. It's not gonna win because I just looked on today. It's uh, Marvel is at ten thousand and. Uh, Pokken is uh, right behind it at 9,000. Oh, so, wow. I and, would not have expected Pokken to be up that high, too. Wow. Yeah, and uh, Alms is just at 1,000. Yeah. Yeah, it's so. it's still unproven. And, you know, if if it does take off on Switch, you know, maybe next Evo, maybe there's a place for it. I can yeah. see where there's potential if you do the direct button inputs because you do have that option. I can see the potential yeah. there. But, you know, right out of the gate as a new IP... I think there would have been, you know, big questions if Nintendo was pushing money for that to get a spot. Like that's, yeah. I think that would have been a stretch. Well, I'm hoping to go to a uh, Chicago um, the Switch event tour. Okay, so yeah, yeah. Maybe I could uh, see what what Arms is all about and get back to you on that. Yeah, definitely get back with some hands-on impressions. That would be great. Yeah. Well, Video Game Guru 64 finds you on Twitter at that handle. Thank you so much for yeah. calling in. Really appreciate it. Yep. See ya. 
All right, when we come back, we'll talk about the recent releases and the consensus with their reviews. That's when we come back here on The Power Switch. Welcome back to the Power Switch. Now, it's one thing to say, oh, these games are coming out and, you know, look forward to playing them, but these are the releases of the week. No, no, no. Let's let's do something a little bit different. Let's do a segment I like to call Review Recap. So it is quite the week to start a segment like this. Uh, you know, looking at this week of, you know, the 24th in particular is the big release Tuesday. Really good releases, and it's been a very strong start to 2017 so far, if you think about it. Uh, but what I wanted to do is, you know, a few days removed from, you know, this this big release day. And maybe there will be some releases on Friday and things like that. But I wanted to look at the releases of the week and kind of see where they stand on different critical websites. That kind of a review aggregator in a way. Kind of go over what the summary of the game is, whether it's, you know, done by... The publisher PR or someone, a fan perhaps, you know, kind of pulling it together, just kind of describe it and then kind of get a sense of the consensus of the reviews, like what seems to be good about it, but what seems to be lacking. So I kind of wanted to recap that way and kind of look over the different releases of the week in that kind of sense, see what may be worth buying. So we start off with Resident Evil 7. Of course, the you know, highly anticipated release in that series uh, currently sits at an 86 on both Metacritic and OpenCritic. Description says, Fear and isolation seep through the walls of an abandoned southern farmhouse. Seven marks a new beginning for survival horror with the isolated view of the visceral new first-person perspective. Powered by the RE engine, horror reaches incredible heights of immersion as players enter a terrifyingly new world of fear as they fight to survive. Consensus seems to be that Resident Evil is back. I mean, it may not necessarily be an industry changer like 4 was, but it's a very good entry. Uh, you know, definitely a big improvement over 5 and 6. Uh, VR seems to work mostly pretty well, but especially when you're just living in the world. I mean, not necessarily the jump scares work the best, but just experiencing the world seems to be the best part. Uh, the puzzle solving is apparently the weakest point. It's not that good. Uh, the AI not particularly strong. You know, some people are saying it's a flawed entry, but it's a very good entry. It's a good Resident Evil, and it, it's back, and it's selling rather well so far. Next up is Kingdom Hearts HD 2.8 Final Chapter Prologue. I and mean, we talked about this with Doba. It's, it's quite a long title. Uh, currently sitting at a 77 on Metacritic and OpenCritic. The description says Kingdom Hearts HD 2.8 Final Chapter Prologue is a compilation of three magical Kingdom Hearts experiences that no fan should be without. This collection of adventures features Kingdom Hearts Dream Drop Distance HD. Originally released in 2012, Kingdom Hearts Dream Drop Distance HD is a full HD remastered version of Kingdom Hearts 3D Dream Drop Distance, brought to console for the first time. Series protagonists Sora and Riku take on the Mark of Mastery exam in preparation for coming threats. The signature action of the Kingdom Hearts series has evolved, allowing players to experience faster-paced battles and exploration at a blistering pace. There's Kingdom Hearts Key, back cover. It's a movie. A new HD movie that tells the mysterious story of the Foretellers, connecting the earliest parts of the series' history, showcased in the mobile title Kingdom Hearts Unchained Key. Also finally, Kingdom Hearts Point 2 Birth by Sleep, A Fragmentary Passage. 
a completely new playable episode that links the story of Kingdom Hearts 3, taking place after the storyline of Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep, played from the perspective of Aqua. I know that, that's a lot of description there, but when you have three games, three experiences, rather, that's, that's really a lot to cover. So it is a good game in the sense it's a good collection completion, essentially, for series fans. I think, you know, the Kingdom Hearts 3 tease there, playable in the Kingdom Hearts 3 engine, like, that's that's the real draw of this. Uh, the movie, apparently, rather weak, and I think, you know, the addition of uh, Dream Drop Distance, it justifies the price tag. You know, interesting to bring a 3DS game to HD, and there were a lot of 3DS features uh, there in that game, so... But, you know, good to see that there and, you know, kind of brought to the HD. I, you know, they always do a really good job with making the Kingdom Hearts experiences HD. But, again, it's not for everybody because these are games that really rely on a lot of backstory. And I think it, this one's mostly just for series fans, just to complete the collection, not necessarily for newcomers. This would be a this would be a really bad place for newcomers to get in on Kingdom Hearts. You also have Yakuza 0 sitting at an 84 on Metacritic and an 86 on OpenCritic. Description says, Tokyo 1988. Getting rich is easy. The women are beautiful. And everyone wants in on the action. It's time to become Yakuza. Fight like hell through Tokyo and Osaka with protagonist Kazuma Kiryu and series regular Goro Majima. Play as Kazuma Kiryu and discover how he finds himself in a world of trouble when a simple debt collection goes wrong and his mark winds up murdered. Then step into the silver-toed shoes of Goro Majima and explore his normal life as the proprietor of a cabaret club. Uh, the consensus seems to be that there's great humor here, and it's a pretty good entry point in the series when it acts as a prequel, essentially, here. Uh, apparently, the combat is a bit formulaic and stale. It's a little outdated, but a lot of people say really good things about the Yakuza series, and if this is a good place to get in, and it's getting rather good reviews, to be honest. This may be a good jumping point if that's something that interests you. And finally, wrapping up the review recap, Tales of Berseria. It's sitting at a 78 on Metacritic and a 77 on Open Critic. Description says, In Tales of Berseria, players embark on a journey of self-discovery as they assume the role of Velvet, a young woman whose once kind demeanor has been replaced and overcome with a festering anger and hatred after a traumatic experience three years prior to the events within Tales of Berseria. Velvet will join a crew of pirates as they sail across the sea and visit the many islands that make up the sacred kingdom of Midgand in an all-new adventure developed by the celebrated team behind the Tales of series. Veteran Tales of character designer Mutsumi Inomata has personally designed Velvet, and famous Japanese animation studio Ufo Table returns to animate the game's breathtaking cutscenes, delivering truly epic and emotional storytelling in their unique style. Consensus seems to be that this game plays things pretty safe. It's not too innovative, but it refines a tested Tales formula. Then also introduces a compelling narrative, actually, with pretty good writing and characters fighting on the wrong side of history. So if you like the Tales games, this seems to be really the one for you. And uh, some argue that Zestiria was maybe a little step back, but it seems to be the case that Berseria is kind of bringing tales back for those that really enjoy the series, but it's not too innovative outside of other JRPGs. And that'll do it for this episode of The Power Switch. We are hosted by RhymesWithAsia.com and we're on YouTube and Twitch at RhymesWithAsia. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Power Switch. You can email us any questions, concerns, comments, or opportunities at PowerSwitchPod at gmail.com. Most importantly, to participate in future episodes, you should join our community on Discord by visiting rhymeswithasia.com call. It's a small but growing community. In these early months of the show, it'll be easier than ever to have your voice heard on this podcast. 
I want to add something here at the end of the show to give you a YouTube video to watch. And I'm going to say Mass Effect Andromeda released a new trailer, the cinematic trailer number two. Really interesting. It made me really excited for the game, to be honest. Uh, the first trailer, there were some weird things. I mean, facial animations were a little off. I think this really delivered a good sense of story, uh, added some more characters, kind of fleshed out that a little bit. And if you're looking for something interesting, I know some people may be going on Media Blackout. We talked about spoilers on our last episode of the, the podcast here. Uh, but if you're really trying to dig into the nitty-gritty of Andromeda and see something really interesting, uh, go check out the Initiative video. They have an Andromeda Initiative series that kind of goes a little more in-depth. And they showed it's a little sub-feature of some of the initial characters that are on your crew, some crew members there. Uh, check out the the Miranda-like character, uh, as it were. Uh, check out her last name. That is interesting. That could certainly tie in some backstory with Mass Effect. I'll, I'll just say no more than that. Just It gives something to uh, to kind of tease possible Mass Effect fans there. So that's, that's really exciting. Now in a couple days, I'm leaving for Las Vegas, going to around that Mandalay Bay area. So it's almost like, yeah, Evo, half a year early. Uh, I'll be there for the early part of next week. So if news breaks, we'll probably do another show on the road in a way from a hotel room, but in Las Vegas. So stay tuned to our Discord channel as that develops. Regardless whether it's live on your own time, I look forward to you joining us for our next episode. With that, I'm Peter Spasia. Until next time, switch up, call in, game on.